Hello everyone, welcome to the next edition of Push to Top. We have some special guests here today. Today we have CCPD Normalized with us, and CCPD Normalized, you are one of the senior DBAs there, is that correct? Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can now. Oh, good, excellent. Uh, a little wonkiness in Discord too, so I just introduced CCPD Normalized. Um, to everybody, and uh, and we also have CCP RAM and CCP Denormalized. You work on the database side, is that correct? Yep, yep. I'm database uh, admin with CCP uh, Games. That's fun. Excellent. And and CCP RAM, you're on the system administration side, is that correct? Uh, yeah, that's correct. Uh, I've been with CCP since 2004. Fantastic. So you've seen some of the wow. You've been here a long time, longer than I've played the game, which is pretty impressive. That's pretty cool. And we're along with our normal crew. We've got McLeod up there, sporting the hat. You missed the shades, guys. They looked very cool. But Caleb made fun I of them. I don't know the shades asked him. <laughs> yeah. Caleb made fun of him, and he took him off. And we, of course, have Caleb with us, coming to us live over there. Hey, guys. And we have Billy Buffington back with us, first time in a long time. And Billy has begun to play Eve because Burn Jita drew him in. <laughs> on the dark side now. Oh, damn. So, yes, so it's going to be great, and we're going to have a lot of fun. So we're going to start off the day. I think uh, we're going to talk uh, about uh, what the uh, – I, I call you guys DevOps. Is is that what you use in CCP terms, or do you call yourself something else? Uh, it's a mix. Pretty much uh, we're both uh, DevOps and just uh, CS admins on the infrastructure level as well. Okay. So, and, and for our audience, those are the guys in the back end that do the heroic deeds that keep TQ up and running, in my opinion, having a uh, pretty heavy DevOps background. Um, I appreciate all they do, and we wanted to give them a little little showcase and talk about it. So it's pretty cool. I mean, you guys should you, you guys are pretty adept at uh, using a uh, fire extinguisher, I, I, I kind of guess, with the amount of fires that we tend to sort of put, put your servers under. And they can feed hamsters in lemming numbers. We've uh, actually, uh, throughout CCP, uh, yes, we only had uh, one blade going on fire, so it's all good. <laughs> you see, we always talk about, like, blade, like servers going on fire when we kind of, like, in a sort of joking manner, but it has, has actually happened. Yes, we were told to take the picture down. We were not allowed once, once I won't say any names or anything, but uh, <clears throat> once we posted it, then we quickly got a call from uh, a particular hardware vendor and said, uh, could you please take that picture down? Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they, they really, really do appreciate it the way we do. This is why server rooms should have live video feed. <laughs> Some do, actually. It would just have been amazing security, being I don't know that live. Oh, it's on fire, literally. <laughs> And and for the record, they probably didn't use fire extinguishers. I'm sure they used the uh, the special gas to uh, put that. Halon. Yeah. Well. Yeah. There's Halon and there's FM200. I don't know which one they had. So yeah. Is that way, CFC? Either way, you don't want to be in the room when it goes off. Yeah. So um, let's talk about a little bit of the history, right, Caleb? You brought that up, um, and. CCP RAM, you've been around for a lot of that. Um, how much has that changed? And 
And what are some of the things you used to see that the new hardware really let you get around? Tell us about the actual first potatoes. Uh, actually, in the beginning, I, we've always had uh, blade centers running TQ. Uh, we tried to mirror TQ to CC as well, making sure that uh, both were running like uh, in a unison, so to say. But uh, CC has uh, actually been left behind. But uh, we started with uh, the LS20 blades, uh, which is yeah about... 10 plus years ago since we started that, but uh, then we just gradually added uh, always using the same vendor, uh, always same, the same hardware, so to speak, but uh, it's only with TQ Tech 3 that uh, we actually deviated from that and went to uh, the flex chassis. Just out of curiosity, did, did you have that actually at launch? So was that actually also running uh, a late beta? Uh, at launch? Uh, it was actually hosted by a tele company here in Iceland, so CCP did not uh, run the service themselves. Ah, okay. Yeah, that explains a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, in uh, 2004, late 2004, uh, CCP uh, terminated the contract with that company uh, also with uh, the, they ran the customer support as well, so all the GMs and the uh, hardware was a uh, moved to CCP uh, in 2004. That uh, makes sense because that was about when we didn't have any rollbacks anymore. Yeah, true. Um, a point to that question on things that uh, we maybe don't necessarily see anymore. Um, on the database side of things, things have progressed uh, maybe even in a different direction so much than the, like the, the other server hardware like Souls and stuff. For us, what we see is back in the day, first when I started, there were um, RAMSAN SAN devices, right, with flash flash memory and stuff like that. We actually don't use those anymore now. Uh, it's more just enterprise level SSDs. But uh, the amount of memory that we see in the boxes is just gone up by such a huge margin that we really don't have to hit the disks so much anymore. When we can when we can cache half or two thirds of the database in memory, um, we can get by with with slightly less uh, performant disks so we can uh, we can really kind of optimize things that way so uh, so, so talking about the, the first iteration how frequently have you guys actually changed or upgraded the hardware and what's about the average cadence like interim between uh, upgrades here's ccb ram is that about right yeah, that's about right. Uh, there have been some servers that have lasted longer. Uh, for example, we had the uh, Everest node, which uh, used to be the the uh, most powerful node we had for hosting fleet fights and stuff like that. Uh, I think we ran about four years past its warranty, warranty something like that. So we are uh, about on Tech 5 now? Uh, pretty much, yeah. There's a, there's a fun story about the Everest node. Um, back when, I don't know, maybe about six months before, before the Everest node came online, um, we were working on a internal project to see what is the fastest Soul server that we could get to be able to see what kind of fleet fight we would be able to support. And so at the time, there were no real uh, like hardware that we could be involved with or anything like that. So we started to look at 
off-the-shelf hardware. And so at the time, uh, we had a technical director that was all over this kind of fun project stuff. And so we ordered a, a, a boatload of parts from all kinds of like PC vendors. And so our our goal, this this machine actually was pulled out on FanFest. I forget, I forget the year. It was probably 2010 or 2011, but it was this Frankenstein monster of um, hardware put together, all water-cooled. The motherboard was water-cooled. The RAM was water-cooled. Um, Everything was water cooled, but it was like literally this strapped together machine that was two chassis stuck together. I remember working on it. We had we cut and had uh, aluminum, uh, almost funnels for the for the air bending. And I remember using a, a a grinder to cut this metal down, and we were bending it. And we went to to some industrial shop in 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 Reykjavik to get these panels folded so it would fit inside the chassis and everything else. And so we end up with this four or five U ugly thing that we were pushing, I don't know, four, four and a half gigahertz at the time. Um, to get it all built, we're like, okay, now how can we smuggle this into the data center? It's got like water cooling pipes sticking out of it everywhere. It's like, this is gonna be crazy. <laughs> Maybe two weeks after we had this machine, we were doing internal testing. There was uh, an IBM rep that, uh, that we knew came in and he was like, guys, we have this, secret machine we can't really tell you a whole lot about it right now but and everybody above us was like all right fine ditch this ugly crazy frankenstein creature and we'll just go with this and and that was the everest note and for a long time i'm not sure how long but uh i'm pretty sure it was some months afterwards that we received it we weren't even allowed to talk about it uh we were not allowed we had to sign ndas and everything uh first when we got that machine because nobody was uh, nobody was allowed to kind of discuss it that much Wow, that's insane. That's a little background on Everest. That I don't think we do. <laughs> yeah, I said, I said, I don't think that's uh, background on Everest that we knew, did we? I knew that it was like I'd heard that it was. Uh, I didn't realize they had that you had a Frankenstein, like you Frankenstein the machine together that was like completely mental. But I had heard that you had a like a crazy sort of top secret thing from Intel. Yeah, 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 that, that, that was, was definitely out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, we we dragged out Ram. You must remember we dragged out the Frankenstein machine at Fanfest, and I'm pretty sure it had either a inflatable cow or an inflatable sheep sitting on top of it. Um, uh, the cow was still at Sisby. It was the donkey that went missing during that Fanfest. <laughs> this may or may not have been an adult-oriented uh, blow-up animal. Um, which was pretty funny because kids would come into our operations room and like, oh, look at the cow, look at the machine. And we're like, oh yeah, no, please like, don't touch that. Oh God, oh God, please no. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, uh, well. So let's let's talk about a little bit where, where you've gone to the newer hardware, some of the advances that you've had there. Uh, particularly, I think, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but Aren't you replicating the database back to Iceland? And uh, and if you are, is that real time or is there some delay on that? Um, we're not replicating it yet, but I would guess within the next month or so, we will uh, we will be. We've had Singularity replicating between sites just as like proof of concept and to check latencies and stuff like that. Um, we will not be doing synchronous replication. The the latency forty milliseconds is just way too high. Uh, and typically, synchronous replication like that is really just within the same data center. Uh, so we will be doing async replication, and 
the time delay, depending on what's happening on the on the DB server at the time, is anywhere from sub one second to like a minute or so. It re it really depends. Mm -hmm. There's never really any in-game activity that affects this. It's more it's more our operational maintenance, like index work or statistics being updated that generates a uh, a, a lot of log activity, uh, tens of gigabytes. You know, when, when we're going through tables that are 300 gigabytes in size, uh, that that generates a tremendous amount of logs, uh, transaction log activity. So all of that's got to be replicated, and, and we can get we can get uh, delayed a little bit there, but usually it's it's no more than I don't know a minute or five minutes or so. Can Can you guys talk a little bit about um, some of the uh, ideologies on how to do your whole database thing and maybe a little bit of story time on the big database change uh, back in history when uh, you changed format. What do you mean change format? Okay, I'm not the techie, but you went from one uh, type of architecture of database to another and there was a lot of uh, buzz on, uh, on the forums about it and it According to uh, you guys, it basically solved a lot of problems. I think they just upgraded SQL Server, right? It's not really. No, the, the entire architecture was changed, yeah. right? In it's quite a long time ago now, but I'm pretty sure that, that you guys pretty much shift from one database type to another. Um, uh, it's probably maybe a hardware iteration or, or perhaps a version upgrade. But um, so I've been with the, with the company for about eight years now. Um, and as far as I know, it's almost always been Microsoft SQL Server. Uh, we, we, I mean, we have gone from you know various uh, editions. When I started, we were SQL 2005, I think, and just after I started, then we upgraded to 2008. Uh, we're on 2016 right now, and I'm pushing to, to go to 2017 as soon as soon as possible. There's a lot of really cool technology there. Um, Rand, you you know, but I'm almost positive that it's always been SQL Server though. Uh, yeah, it's uh, always been SQL Server. Uh, I don't think we've ever uh, had like major framework changes to it, though. Yeah, I think the only thing that you guys changed in SQL Server other than the version, I think, uh, didn't you go to a flavor of always on locally, as well as probably what you're using to replicate? Oh, we, we, we thought about it, but okay. um, we're, we're still just doing traditional uh, two-node active-passive uh, type clustering with the with with a shared SAN backend. Okay, because that always on is wonky. <laughs> In my opinion, I think it's a uh, bit wonky, I, right? I think maybe what Caleb was talking about when was when you went to a sixty-four bit. That might have been it. I just remember oh. a lot of uh, ticky nerdy debates back and forth on the forums, and yeah. a lot of promises of this is going to fix everything. Oh, it makes a big deal in database was... land. I'm pretty sure that yeah. it actually did. It had huge performance uh, benefits. Cause yeah, because uh, the Eve universe was sort of uh, quite close to hitting its maximum uh, item uh, limit, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. 32-bit integer um, that was running out. We, we've had that in a number of places. Um, I think this one in particular that we're talking about is probably the inventory system. Um, mm -hmm. That was right around when I started as well, so I, I don't exactly remember all of the problems that were that were occurring. But I'm sure there were there, there were a lot of um, behind the scenes cleanup that would have to happen to ensure that we had we had room for new items to be created and that sort of thing. But when the uh, when the change to to the 64-bit integer for the item IDs happened, that just freed up a 
you know, just room that people were like, oh my God, okay, at least now things are not going to explode. And yeah, because you guys were, uh, like, uh, back at those times, you were utilizing the... Uh... Uh, you know the downtime at uh, at eleven to basically delete stuff that you needed in order to actually free up uh, some you know some it- uh, itemization space. I think. How much did um? Running out of IDs, uh, scary stuff. Yeah. How much did uh, adding citadels add to your your overhead? Did that did that hit the back end database, or was that more a a front end server hit? Do you guys know? Do you guys look at that stuff? I think I don't remember any huge things on the database side, but um, I do know with certain developments, uh, deployments that happen and, and stuff like it's it's really really hard to test Eve uh, at the scale that you guys put the servers through their paces. As much <laughs> as you know, we've we've got tons of hardware on the back end, and, and we're able to the QA department is able to do regression testing and all of that stuff at really really high levels. But still, like just the the mean what we can simulate and what you can do is sometimes scary <laughs> um and there absolutely have been times where releases have come out and features are there and the feature just has some code tweaking at the database level that we need to do that we need to change um the way that sql interacts with with data depending on how the tables are designed uh concurrency updates and deletes and all of that kind of thing can mm-hmm. be play havoc on the on the server so if it's not designed in such a way that uh you know takes into account the the high level of load that you guys put on the on the cluster it can really cause problems i do think that uh ccp got the toughest quality assurance team in their player base it's like we are basically experts at pushing everything to the limit and breaking your guys stuff absolutely absolutely I, hey, I want to take a second here. Uh, uh, the K-Man and uh, and who was it? Ardoui, uh both uh, yeah. up their sub. Thirty-six months for K-Man and uh, twelve for uh, for Ardoui. So thank you very much, guys, for those subs. We do appreciate it. And I noticed we got uh, quite a few follows. So thank you to all the guys that followed too. So I just want to shout that out in there. Take a little break here. Epic. I just I kind of wanted to ask like um, denormalize like before you came to CCP did were you uh, um, you know uh, and database administrator or you know in, in that sort of line that area of of uh, um, in some, in another co- another company before CCP. So I've been a, a DBA for for a really long time, probably twenty years or so now, um, but not. I've, I've never worked for a company at the scale that CCP has. Um, and that's actually what drew me to the company. Um, I, was, I was playing the game and I, and I knew of Eve and I was happening, happening to, to do some research uh, for my own company. And I stumbled upon this white paper from IBM partnered with CCP. And I was like, oh, wow, interesting. And this was about the Ramsans and SQL Server and Ramsans. And so um, that was really exciting to me. And I, I looked into it further and I couldn't believe, wow, like this company is actually using SQL Server. Uh, it really, really surprised me. I, I had no idea and I didn't really think about what they were using as a back end. Um, it just so happened that when I looked further, they had a DBA position opened. And, and over the course of three or four months, uh, you know, we, we contacted each other and that, and, and then uh, CCP flew me and the family to Iceland and, and I stayed there for a long time. Nice. I was just kind of wondering because I, I was I was wondering how uh, 
like how CCP's like server kind of uh, setup, um, how it differs in comparison to sort of like you know other enterprise level server setups. Because um, I've heard that it's different um, in some rather unique ways. Um. But just how different as well. I'd actually say it's not really that different at all. It's really just the the transactional load that's on the database. I mean, for the most part, like like the backend database stuff is is pretty standard. We we have a two node active passive cluster. You know, it's all like kind of standard hardware, um, sand backend. It's just it's just that the the nature of a of a custom application like this that's constantly being developed, uh, you know, with new features and, and everything else. It's, it's it's really um, uh, not difficult, but but it requires constant tuning. Um, things are constantly changing. Different things happen. Players can cause issues that affect the server. It's rare that that happens, but it does. Um, you know, we're we're again we're always getting updates and new releases and things. So the 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 database load is is changing quite frequently, uh, but it's just always high load. <laughs> so uh, compared to my other jobs. For instance, um, you know, I, I've I've had places where the servers may have been similar grade, but just the 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 throughput has just not been there. So you are almost literally the Formula One pit uh, team of uh, database and tech. Absolutely, absolutely. There, I mean, there are not really a whole lot of places that that, that push transactions per second uh, like CCP does. How do you compare on scale to say things like banking? Um, probably the places that push higher than me. we do about eight to 10,000 transactions per second with about half of that coming through the API and third party developers just hitting whether it's ESI or the old XML API and stuff like that. Um, 10,000 transactions per second is, 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 is quite high, but I mean, we're really only dealing with, uh, I, I don't know how many subscribers we have at the, at, at the moment, but uh, like, even if we go back to our peak i don't know what that was Five hundred thousand people banks where you're talking millions of people maybe you know certainly higher yeah it's just because performance wise and we should segue into that and and the history one of the things that that uh, we've talked about before the show is that performance wise uh when when it comes to things like well this is maybe a little bit my uh pet peeve but the the, the way that the eve market uh has so many transactions and compared to say other games that always has issues with lag and crashes and stuff like that when when they're trying to run their their marketplace eve pretty much came out of uh uh of the fold initially and well, i wouldn't say that everything worked perfectly there was a few performance issues but it was so high grade and it was just pretty much seamless. And then of course, if you add the features, it was just mind blowingly new and extremely unique to the gaming uh, community. Absolutely, yeah, I agree. Did you have any, cons okay, that's maybe more uh, CCP RAM. Did, did you guys have any consultancy with actual people in say banking or financial industry before you actually build all this? Because it's still unique. There is no game that actually runs a proper exchange-based market out there. Uh, no, uh, I mean, this is just a CSB built from scratch, pretty much. So you Frankenstein it? Pretty much, yeah. Uh, I mean, we like to invent the wheel, and we do it frequently. Yeah, Caleb, that is amazing. 
Caleb wants to know when he's going to get futures and options and, you know, <laughs> stop, yeah, I'm lobbying stop this year at FanFest. I am I'm going to find uh, Nawal and Quant, and I'm going to lobby as hard as I can for exotic financial products. He wants short sells. He wants everything. Okay. <laughs> player, player to player billing and player insurance. As soon as you do that, you know, Aerith is going to, you know, develop some sort of... Oh, yeah, he's going to break it. For it. He's right. going to break it hard. So, yeah. Uh, speaking of Aerith, since we... Since we invoked Aerith's name, uh, Scythe, didn't you have some interesting <laughs> Aerith information so, uh, to share with us? Oh, to I take a little break from the information. tech. Yeah, so wonderful Aerith information, everyone. Uh, Aerith has got, is on his first kill mail since 2015. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he is uh, participating in a wonderful event some of you may have heard of called Burn Jita. Um, and he is just whelping vindicators into our kills, and it's beautiful. Burnjeet isn't happening. You're you're crazy. Oh, I'm sorry. It's I'm sorry. It, it, it's called slightly uh, walking on coals in industrials. Uh, we we had renamed it for the kids. Uh, I can't wait to get back to that <laughs> for the kids. Let's put it this way. I'm sitting here going, when is how how long is the show today? I need to kill more freighters. <laughs> go go back and kill freighters. We're done with you. Good. Thanks for thanks for the update from the frontline site. Yeah, Aerith, Vindicator kills confirmed. 10 out of 10. Okay. Looking for corpses. <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll I think, be... I think, I, think, I think the thing is, he wanted to participate, but he was like, I am not... I, I, I'm not stooping so low as to be uh, to be killed <laughs> in the coercer. He or, refuses uh, to fly anything Tech 1 or under faction. Like, no. It will be at least 500 mil when I die. <laughs> I should so get a creepish billboard right. All right. That's your news from the front. Can, can we talk future? Because I am very excited, especially because we've just had this uh, year of basically uh, pulling out all the problem children in E, right? You guys must have uh, been enjoying that. All the things that uh, was issues have been basically ripped out of Eve. And uh, now you're even launching... Uh, Things like uh, the new chat system, so even that thing is gone. That's really interesting how um, things are progressing compared to back in the day when you know everything would be just this one big monolith. But right now, yeah, actually not even right now. For the last number of years, there's been a big push to start pulling things out of the, out of the monolith so that we can start to offer people various ways to, to interact with that better. Scales better, we can, like like the chat is gonna be running in the cloud now, and so we start pulling things out of our data center um, and, and offering it up. Yeah, you're outsourcing that, right, entirely? Not so much outsource, but it's it's just hosted. It's just it's just Amazon hosted, so it's all internal stuff that's uh, you know developers that are doing it. But yeah, yeah, it's just rather than in our, in our own data center, we can scale better um, by utilizing Amazon and places like that. What's we that going to mean for performance? Right? How how is that going to affect the the the, the load on uh, the servers? I'm sure it won't. But it should it should lower the load that we see in the database. And probably yeah. on the stolen nodes as well. I think I remember seeing an email where uh, people were discussing the the load on the particular soul nodes for the chat system. I, I don't know the number, but I'll say 50%. Uh, it was certainly a lot higher than I thought it was. I was really surprised mm -hmm. when I seen it. I was like, okay, well, shit. No wonder you guys are trying to pull this pull this out and, and move it away. That's are, insane. Are you are you really logging chat in the DB server? 
not for long, much longer. What What did you say? I, I missed you. Yeah, yeah, you your yeah, you're cutting out, denormalized. Is it just We're me? We're losing. No, no, I no, can't hear me now. No. Ah, the network will come back. I wouldn't worry about it. Oh, I got dropped out a little bit ago. Might be spreading. Well, welcome back, RJ. You've given uh, us yeah. your internet disease. But if that's, like, in terms of the chat system, like, if it's if it's almost 50% of the load on soul systems, that's crazy. Imagine when we get 6,000 of us in a system and we're all, like, spamming, right? Oh, to, to be clear, um, it, it's certainly not that much load on all of the solar systems. I mean, there is a chat service within the monolith, and so uh -huh. that gets loaded on certain specific soul nodes. Like, like we have, I don't know, probably like 100 different services within the monolith, we'll say, and, and, and we do mapping across all 240 of our soul nodes. Um, like some soul nodes don't even run a, a solar system simulation at all. But they just run like market or they run character services nodes or, or, or chat systems or something like that. That's cool. Okay. So one thing of interest to me is um, you've got a number of servers and you've obviously got far more solar systems than you have servers, right? Are you guys instancing the solar system within the node or are you using something like VM technology to kind of move things around and, and keep everything balanced? Uh, nothing is moved around during a live run. Uh, so servers just host either, uh, it can be a region of solar systems, a constellation, or just uh, specific solar systems. We, uh, what we do during uh, downtimes uh, when the server is coming up, it will map the systems accordingly to a specific server. So that, uh, for example, we have Cheetah, and that always goes to uh, a place on its own, so it never shares uh, say a CPU with other solar systems. It will always make sure that it has the best performance, for example. But uh, yeah, we don't uh, move systems live. Did you guys actually have eyes on uh, things uh, at this latest uh, big fight, at the, the million dollar fight? Uh, yeah, the uh, supposedly Middleton Valley, yeah. Uh, I was actually uh, online and monitoring the uh, server that uh, the system was running on. Can you guys yeah, do a little bit of a post-mortem? Because I think it was Falcon that was trying to uh, keep us informed on the state of the servers. And we got some crazy numbers about m how much memory was actually being used. And uh, I think uh, we, we got those numbers just before it started uh, going crazy and not really being able to uh, take the strain. Uh, if I remember correctly, the, that specific system was using probably uh, getting close to 100 gigabyte, gigab gigabytes of uh, memory. Uh, but the CPU was, uh, of course, just at 100% CPU until uh, well after the fight as well, uh, while people were still going out. And uh, it wasn't until maybe a couple of hours after the fight that... Uh, the node, uh, the CPU loads started uh, dropping a little bit. What about the, the, the myth about uh, the cap? Because it, I do remember that someone mentioned that there used to be this uh, 
theoretical cap that you guys had actually put on on system, so it actually couldn't go above was it five thousand or six thousand? And it seems as if when we hit that, that was when things started going a little bit weird and people couldn't actually log in and some people were, were cut out. Is that just uh, a total urban myth or could something like that actually have been in effect? Uh, urban myth. Uh, we don't have a cap on players uh, doing like fleet types and stuff like that. You guys pretty much make that yourselves. Yeah, that's our job. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the thing. Like, if they, if you know, it is one of those cases when, um, you know, it must be kind of slightly uh, aggravating for you guys as well. Is whenever you, uh, whenever we, uh, or whenever you guys give us some more headroom, we somehow seem to eat it up straight away, <laughs> and you're just like, oh. Well, yeah, it it happens all the time. Uh, I mean, back in the days. Uh, when I started, I mean, just a couple of hundred players and, you know, the all would crash. But uh, nowadays, uh, we get, obviously, tight tie, but we had more than 6,000 players in one system, and uh, the server was fine, pretty much, except for one CPU code going to 100%. Yeah. I, I kind of had a, a few questions, actually, about the hardware aspect of the uh, Fleet Fight nodes, if that's okay. Um, like, um, we know that most of the... Uh, like the actual, uh, the actual simulation um, that people interact with in game, uh, done on the soul nodes. Um, are those nodes like? Um, I mean, I, I guess in terms of server blade architecture and stuff, like you are going to be, you are running um, a multi-core uh, in that in that particular blade. Um, even though the soul node only really uses, as far as as far as we know, it only really uses one core to process everything. Are the other cores utilized for other aspects related to that? Or are they pretty much idle? In which case, um, like, does it make sense to like switch those off in, in the BIOS and then use them as like uh, heat exchangers? Uh, we use uh, most of the uh, CPUs for simulation. Uh... One solar system may be on one core, and we may have a, like a chat service or a market service or something on a different CPU. And uh, what we've seen is that even though one CPU goes to 100%, we don't see any impact on the other ones. It's just that one CPU, if there would be multiple solar systems, for example, on that CPU, then of course all the solar systems within that CPU would be impacted. But uh, the server itself, handles it fine and we even have spare cpus for the os and you know just all of this being idle so it doesn't really make too much sense in terms of turning off those cpus when you could potentially be using those cpus for other areas of the game you know uh not really i mean we've you know we've had hyper threading on we've had disabled hyper threading and we don't see much uh performance gain doing that so uh we have hyperthreading okay. on now, and uh, <clears throat> I mean, mostly the cluster is just doing fine. It's mostly idle. Yeah, because be the, cool. there's only been I, I've 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 seen a few things uh, like online in terms of you know basically mostly centered around people overclocking and trying to get like you know really high um, I uh, uh, is it IPC ratings. 
um and you know questions basically about you know i'll do should i turn off you know xyz cores um in the bios um in order to basically use them as uh additional heat exchangers for uh you know to actually get rid of dis you know to dissipate heat but i was just I kind mean, of wondering whether that's possible uh, i mean we did this i mean we've tested uh, a lot of scenarios uh we've done we did this with the everest note for example and there was no notable noticeable you know performance gain on uh fleet times and stuff like that when uh oh, okay we did that so oh, that's unfortunate a, a, a small, more simplified uh, version uh, of question. What is the big hatred and like the top three uh, thing that actually uh, causes issues with the uh, load and performance in, in the game, design-wise? Uh, obviously, fleet fights. Uh, but I mean, server-wide, that's the only strain on the server right now. But uh, there are others, uh, maybe denormalized can go through for the DP side, but uh, on the servers, just three touch. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right there. It's pretty much just three touch. One note, uh, when I was uh, trying to interrupt earlier, I, I, I like the idea of the, the heat sink thing. And this is the same as in E, right? When you space your modules properly. So when you overload, so it's like a heat sink every second module, or is that a thing in the past? Or do people still do that? So when you overload it, uh, you know, you don't burn out certain things? Totally still do that. I know that I have loads of ships that are set up specifically like that. Um, in, in terms of performance um, on the database side, so we rarely ever see anything in game that affects the, the DB box. Um, what we do see, though, is just the nature of SQL itself. So um, for instance, we had an issue yesterday. Uh, I don't think it affected anything, but it did cause a, a, a large spike in the DB. What ends up happening is that um, Whenever we do maintenance, whether it's like index updates or statistics updates or something like that, it will cause a store procedure to recompile. And based on the nature of Eve and the way that data is structured within the tables, the very first call to a stored procedure that has been recompiled, um, SQL will then go and it will like compile a query plan for that based on the parameters that were passed in that very first time. Sometimes that particular call may be this really, really weird parameter that was passed in. And so SQL will then generate a plan for that particular value. But maybe that was like a 1% of the data, whereas 99% of the, the other data um, is, is completely different. Uh, what happens then is that it picks a very suboptimal plan for 99% of the calls. And then that just makes a complete run on the box. Uh, maybe every other call except that one now needs to uh, read 50 gigs of data uh, or 100 gigs of data. Maybe it, it decides to do a full scan on the inventory table instead of using a particular index that would you know, take tiny amounts of reads. Now it literally has to read 100 gigabytes for every single call. Um, this is probably one of the biggest things that hits us on, on the database side is bad query plans. Uh, SQL is really good at doing things in, in, in generic terms. And, and, and the way that it's, it's, it's designed is that it wants have to give these index hints and, and and things like that but based on how developers create tables and the way that the data is stored within those tables sometimes and we've done this in the past um we have to say sql sometimes you're just dumb and we're going to tell you exactly what to do don't try to be smart and pick the best 
plan, but just do exactly as we tell you so that you don't end up making this really, really horrible decision uh, based on 1% of the data, whereas 99% of it, you know, is, is, is just what we want. Um, so these bad query plans, and they can kill a server in seconds. Uh, if we get 10,000 transactions a second and a proc happens to get recompiled with a really bad plan, 10,000 calls, like, boom, we're dead. Uh, max CPU, and at that time, maybe we, we also have now 9,000 transactions that are starting to queue up, and maybe we're able to recompile that proc in, in time before it kills everything, but we've still got now 9,000 calls that have to finish with this bad query plan. Uh, and then we have to decide, do we want to let the run continue and just let them finish, or should we just kill the entire server uh, and just restart? Because people could be having an extremely bad time depending on what particular call you know went went, went crazy inventory things for instance you know if nobody can um, undock or or anything like that then obviously we'd probably just kill the server um, emergency restarts in most cases unfortunately um, are typically caused by database runs like that we've rarely ever had issues with that but there's been God, when, when was it? It was like a few years ago, I think, maybe? There was that, that one issue where where you guys literally had to restart and figure out something. Chat is, is kind of foreshadowing uh, uh, the next question. When is uh, the next tech upgrade <laughs> about to hit us, hardware-wise? Uh, it's going to be a while, a while yet. Uh... I mean, so far, the hardware we currently have, it's just performing extremely well. Uh, it's shortened uh, the deployment times of uh, the code for EVE and stuff like that. So, I mean, while we can still keep downtime within the allotted time, 15 minutes, uh, we should be fine. But uh, I mean, in a year, maybe two, we will have to look into other things. But uh, we are always being approached by uh, vendors who wants to, want us to like test CPUs and stuff like that. So, oh, that's uh, cool. Will it ever be technologically feasible to not have downtime at all? Uh, it's been a goal for CCP for probably 10 years, maybe more, uh, to just eliminate downtime. Uh, I mean, I've gone through the one hour downtimes down to uh, having it less than five minutes. I think the best one was like uh, four minutes and some 40 plus seconds uh hopefully yeah. hopefully we can get rid of it completely uh it's gonna take a while but uh we should get there sometime yeah i mean so it is technologically feasible right it, the, theoretically it could be done uh absolutely yeah. that has to be a hmm? overspoke brand there uh it, it's really just a matter of developer time that needs to go into it um that, that, that's not to say that it's a trivial task to do. There are some systems in place that that, that heavily utilize downtime. Um, it's just a matter of uh, identifying the you know what needs to be done and then weighing the um, uh, how how worth it is it. I guess if you have a full feature team to to get rid of downtime to save five minutes there versus them having to maybe fix other bugs or or features or or whatever. It's much uh, in, more coding time rather than, you know, actual hardware-based aspects of it. It's all coding. Yeah, and uh, I mean, we 
there are like an initiative, uh, new features they should not and never should rely on downtime. And uh, we are taking stuff like the chat system, for example, out of the, uh, let's call it the Eve monolith, I guess. Uh, so hopefully soon we can actually, you know, mm -hmm. get rid of it. Uh, well, maybe not soon, but uh, at some point in time, get rid of downtime completely. Stillman says 2019. I think that's going to hit the mark pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I, I like I like this other comment. You know, Eve needs downtime so we can all go take a shower. <laughs> yes, yeah, they, they will. They will keep downtime around. It's just not actually happening on the hardware and the service. They they just lock us out. Down downtime is here literally to break the cycle and uh, remind us us all that we're human. We need to go and do something. Can't we uh, do like seasonal downtime thing so it's based on time zones? So it goes down for like two hours uh, according to down uh, to the time zone, so we can get some sleep or a shower and some food. Uh, we've Very had dis discussions about uh, moving the downtime, but uh, with all the uh, numbers we went through, uh, this is the best time. But yeah, I mean, we need food at CCP, so I mean, a new bed, <laughs> shower, obviously, and. Uh, so downtime, yeah, maybe it will just stay for as it is. You should do like the biological time. clock, right? You should do the, the, the running biological clock. So it's like 28 hours and then it just moves around naturally. Well, the, the issue there is like, you know, because, because everybody in the world is connecting to the server, like it's not sharded in any way, shape or form. You know, wherever you're putting the downtime, it's going to be prime time in some area of the world. So you're going to piss off someone somewhere. Well, yeah, that's, that's the fairness of uh, doing a running clock, right? If, if you did a, a 26 hours a day in EVE, then you couldn't speculate on time zones anymore on downtime. Can you imagine charts and graphs uh, put together by... Um... I forget, um, Explorer, CCP Explorer, um, when we were investigating changing downtime. And so it was like, you know, the nice world graph and then showing the line of when various time zones logged in and stuff. And I think it was determined that the best possible downtime would have been like 6 a.m. GMT when nobody is in the office uh, mm. and, and all of that. So, I mean, we would have literally had to change working hours of all of the developers and everybody in Iceland to come in hours earlier to be able to, you know, uh, do what we needed to do during downtime for deployments and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, it didn't, nobody really wanted to do that. That's uh, all the data you guys were mining when you did the MoMA project, right? The mo modern uh, art thing. No, I don't think it was that. The whole, uh, when people come online and when they lock off and visualizing that, uh, over time, that that was the graphic stuff that was used at the moment uh, exhibition. Uh, some of that data absolutely could have been used for the for the same type, type things, yeah. repurposed for yeah the downtime discussion. Yeah. I just love that whole graphic thing. That looked amazing, where you could just see how players came online and when they went off, and that it was like mind blowing. Was there was there a lot of work done? Um from a DevOps perspective to minimize the impact of software upgrades? Or was that something else that um, that went down? Uh, I mean, obviously, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, we, I mean, on the server side, we, of course, 
make sure that the uh, downtime never goes past 15 minutes. So with the flex charges we have now, we have uh, uh, one out of rotation, so to speak, and uh, that one we will do the uh, OS updates and firmware updates and stuff like that, uh, re-image uh, all the souls and the proxies that are on that uh, chassis, and uh, then swap one at a time throughout the week. And uh, so within a week, we can just have everything up to date Okay. Uh, with regards so, to that, I yeah. just actually I wanted to quickly ask Eric, like with regards to that and you know server uh, software upgrades and or software updates and that kind of thing. I mean, one of the most relatively recent things that kind of happened in a sort of hardware software kind of fashion that did impact a lot of people or a lot of things around the world was the uh, the meltdown inspector kind of uh, hardware bugs. Like, has that kind of really affected you guys a lot at all or? Uh, uh, it, is it just uh, one of those things? It affected the uh, CS for sure. Uh, so when it hit, we of course need to go into get the patches that we needed, both firmware uh, for the VM environment and all that. But uh, we only put it on the test servers. So uh, it never goes out to TQ until we've tested it thoroughly on all of our tests, pretty much environments. Uh, I mean, for this instance, when we had been testing uh, that particular patch, uh, it started getting pulled from uh, VMware. They just said, don't patch with this. Uh, then uh, shortly after it was uh, Microsoft, they even put, pulled it. So uh, it never actually hit TQ in any way or form. But uh, the performance hits that we saw was that uh, the stuff that was put in the cloud, we got like a 100% CPU increase, but uh, on like soul and proxy servers, like the hardware, it actually uh, gained performance. Yeah, because it's more a multi-threaded kind of aspect. Oh uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it doesn't really affect the, the soul nodes that much because they're single-threaded. Yeah, which is pretty cool. and all hardware and stuff like that. So uh, the virtual environment was hit harder than the harder from what we saw that's pretty epic actually that, i bet that was a big weight off your mind uh, absolutely yeah absolutely change gears a little bit how much uh influence do you guys actually end up having on things like uh developers that are doing uh, actual design stuff I'm asking this because I remember um, watching one of the presentations from the graphics uh, team where they were working on some new feature and it looked awesome and everyone loved it and then someone did some number crunching and if you guys tried to launch that on the live server it would basically overload uh, the CPUs like everywhere. How much of that do you guys get to catch before it actually uh, goes too far in the development process? Uh, most of the time, it's too late, uh, but uh, uh, in recent uh, years, it's been uh, much better. Uh, I mean, it's okay for developers to, of course, you know, create new features and make cool stuff. But uh, we, I mean, when we were kind of left out of the loop to begin with, they often came with us, okay, this is a feature we have. It works locally for me and everything's fine. But uh, then they don't account for like, uh, of course, we have a network environment that uh, is sort of a living beast pretty much. Uh, and 
so whatever you if you connect into specific things it just won't work but uh, when you have yeah. a local environment you have just on a one ip address and everything works but uh it's gotten mm -hmm. a lot better and uh we usually you know go through like design meetings and uh our network admins try to say that uh this is what we can do but if you want to do this we have to like, talk holes like this and stuff like that and uh it's much better than it used to be. We are, we are considered a service department. And so really we exist to help the developers make their vision happen. So if they have some crazy idea uh, and then we simply say, okay, guys, well, what we have is just not going to support it. Uh, this is hypothetical, but then it's really up to them or, or their, managers or whatever to make a business case and say oh well we have this super cool feature and we think it's going to do this for the game but we need a million dollars in hardware to be able to support it and then uh we start like doing yeah, more hardware and uh <laughs> if, if the business case is there for it then, 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 then so be it so and on that note we should segue to when can we do ten thousand uh player fights <laughs> That's I think so, I think that's so more mean. of a I think that's more of a software development side rather than hardware development. Yeah. But like I have to kind of wonder whether uh, whether Optane technology will actually help in some way, shape, or form. Um, maybe not in the uh, the performance, like the cell performance kind of thing, but maybe in the database kind of performance. Or... So, but I don't think we're really hitting any kind of headroom. Um, I, I love how chat is saying that we will never get there. It's like pretty much exactly the same comment would have been uh, the case when we said that 5,000 players would be in the same system. So never say never. Dude, I remember I remember a time when, you know, when uh, people were asking for uh, bookmarks in space and, you know, there were CCP devs that were saying, it's never going to happen. It's not possible. It's just not possible. And now we have it. So, you know, never say never. Let's put it this way. This is the game where we can get the most number of players in any system to fight against each other and even going across multiple systems. It's it's amazing what EVE does, right? And, you know, in in, in defense of uh, CCP RAM and uh, CCP Denormalize we've got here, you know, if those developers would write a little more efficient code, their job would be a little easier. Right, Billy? Always. Because <laughs> we've heard these. I mean, it's like it's like a day at work here. What 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 we're talking about? It's kind of funny for me. Uh, I mean, if we can have players in the system uh, not fighting each other and not, you know, putting out drones and fighters, we might actually get more players. But uh, no, uh, I mean, we are sort of at the limit at the last fight. But uh, yeah, we need developer time to maybe get past that, unless we get Intel to yeah. just create a single CPU yeah. that is like extremely fast. So Rendis has faith in CCP. He predicts that we'll put 40,000 goons into one grid by 2020. So there we go. We heard it here first. Star Trek hardware. So when, it will happen. So when, when is CCP going to buy their own, their first uh, um, quantum processor? When is <laughs> Just out of interest. coming out, like Star Trek and Holodeck coming out? No, I guess it comes out twenty twenty as well. <laughs> Epic. Apparently, thinks so. All our dreams, twenty twenty. No, I, I mean, I think what we 
what what uh, you guys do with uh, TQ and keeping it up. I mean, if we look over time here, we used to have software patches that would last almost 12 hours, sometimes longer, right? Now we're uh, out 15 minutes. Yeah, so uh, the longest I remember uh, right now is probably the Apocrypha expansion. I think I was at the office for 32 hours. Yeah, uh, that was a long one. Yeah, uh, and then we have other sorts of outages. But uh, yeah, uh, with the TQ hardware, uh, Tech 3, we've actually managed to speed up the deployment process of the ETH code. And we have uh, changed uh, a lot of stuff with the uh, download on demand. So we don't actually have to build as much as we used to for clients and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, uh, deployment takes, uh, I would say roughly four minutes without any long running DB updates and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, that's amazing. That's just amazing to me. Yeah, can I, mean, I ask a stupid question? I, I know this is a little bit lowbrow tech-wise, but seriously, how come Eve can actually do what it does and no other game is even remotely in the same range? What exactly is the secret to the design of Eve that makes it possible to have this many people fighting each other at once? You guys push us to do it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're getting pushed all the time and uh, it's just dedication. Uh, you know, everybody that works on Eve absolutely loves Eve. I mean, I used to play Eve uh, a lot back in the day, but uh, working on it now, it's not as much as then, but uh, every developer I talk to, I mean, every day, they just, they love if they want it, want to make it the best there is. Now, th theoretically, right, if uh, well, there's rumors about uh, CCP doing some sort of uh, prop, uh, classic uh, avatar-based uh, MMO, theoretically, if a game like that came out and you guys used your knowledge on architecture and how to actually make all this possible, how many people could theoretically be fighting each other in a classical avatar-based game run by CCP? All of them. Uh, it's really difficult to say. Uh, I mean, we tried uh, with the uh, Incarna stuff that didn't go so well. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, but- uh, Just understatement. Yeah, that, that was, Built on uh, an in-house uh, engine, as you can say, but uh, with the engines we have out now, uh, it's really difficult to say. Uh, the network stack behind, like in the back end, uh, that has a lot to do with how many players we can get, you know, within one system or whatever. Uh, so it's really difficult to say. But would you in terms of, in terms of, right? would you actually be able to push the envelope and actually deliver something that was way beyond what you see in, in other avatar based uh, MMOs? Uh, with the team we have, uh, and the teams we have, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think with dedication and time, we could do it. Because it's, it's one of those things that we often don't really talk about much in the Eve media that we, we usually like to heckle you guys, right? But we forget that. Some of the things that, especially on the on the tech side, that you have delivered over these last fifteen years, is pretty much unique and mind blowing, right? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. Uh, the, I mean, I don't think there is one single person in, at CCP that knows everything about what's happening, but uh, the backend and everything that we have is written within CCP. So, uh, I mean, we can go to the moon if we want to, so to say. Because if you go back to CCP RAM in 2004 and told him what the performance was now, wouldn't you be a little bit surprised? Yeah, I mean, I would laugh at him. Uh, I joined uh, just before the Exodus expansion, and uh, I remember the expansion before that. Uh, I think it was uh, Chaos or something like that. Uh, I mean, ETH was very smooth, but after Exodus, it was a complete mess. Uh, I think, like, the customer support department, like, got overflooded with petitions, stuff like that. But, uh, I mean, nowadays, we can do anything. Yeah, the difference between Eve then and now is just uh, like it's insane. Absolutely insane. Uh, absolutely, yeah. So should we ask the the, the questions that uh, has a huge risk risk of uh, getting NDA? <laughs> well, 64, the, the, 64 bit client and uh, unified accounts. When are we going to see something like that? <laughs> Yeah. I don't think it's their department, really, to be completely honest, yeah. but I don't know. No, but I'm pretty sure that they would be highly responsible for making it possible, especially with things like uh, the unified account thing, because that would need a whole rewrap thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, the we actually had a project ongoing, which was actually about uh, having a unified account and having even a unified account between uh, games that CGB runs. Because Eric and I have been talking about that on several episodes of this show, and we are still hoping that we will see it someday. Uh, yeah, I mean, that would be great. Uh, it would simplify so much for a lot of players. I know I know. with conversations from other CTPs that uh, the unified account or master account, as they, I think it's referred to internally, um, had been developed or quite you know uh, sort of at least fairly heavily developed up to a point and then they dropped it for uh reasons i think uh probably down to dev time uh and like urgency of uh you know solving issues with certain things but uh i'm i'm fairly certain i know that it was worked on quite a lot uh, yeah, I, I remember correctly, it was called a master user services or something like that, but uh, it was, uh, I would guess, fairly close, but uh, yeah, it, it was stopped and uh, there has been no work on it for uh, a while now. I think the thing is, the, the nice thing about it, I think, probably is the fact that uh, unlike, you know, internal game code, you know, it doesn't end up being like sort of evolving constantly because of you know, uh, you know, new, uh, you know, new patches and you know, uh, new uh, features coming into the game. So you, you know, it's it's more likely that when CCP does actually get the dev time to come back to it, it's not going to be a case of oh crap, we're going to have to go back to, you know, take five six steps backwards and then you know 
uh, go from there. They would probably be able to pick it up fairly easily from where they left off. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, we keep all the code that we do. Uh, I mean, we have a repository of the code and uh, none of it is lost. It's literally just a team going in and going through what's been done and going, you know, take it from there. Can we have USB sticks with the old Incarna code at some point? Uh, I don't know. You no. might want to talk to uh, Explorer about it. You can do it on FanFest. We ship that into space? No, no, no. You give it to the players, and then eventually some crazy Eve player will have actually started a project and developed it and, and succeeded in making uh, proper walking in stations uh, in, in Kana. Nah, they pulled the graphic code out for that. Forget it. Which is why we need the old code. No one needs the walk-in stations. The door's not there Spike. anymore, man. It's been plastered over That's and right. painted that over. That door is closed. <laughs> yeah, we broke the mirror. <laughs> see, see, this is my way of saying... Was, was fantastic. Like, I know there was some talk internally about various things that we could do with that, and there was an idea about uh, like all of the drugs and that kind of thing where you would have to dock in station. The only way to be able to trade drugs and things, you know, would be in station where you would have to go into one of these lounge rooms and, and literally avatar to avatar to make like back back room deals and things like that. And uh, I just think it would have been so fantastic. It's really you cool. had me you had me at, I, at pole dancers. I, I just see players sitting there going, <laughs> you want to buy some death sticks? <laughs> oh, jeez. Do you guys remember? Do you guys remember the latex suit? Uh, we we don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you guys are in denial. Do you do you do you, do you really I have no want to go down this that, rabbit though. hole live online? <laughs> but that was one of those examples of uh, CCP pre pretty much pushing the envelope, right? Because. It was so ahead of its time. It was pretty much, it felt like it was at least two or three years too early when it comes to what uh, the whole uh, carbon engine was trying to do in Encarna, right? Yeah, and uh, I mean, we had prototypes of uh, how easy it was to, you know, create rooms and just get everything, you know, we could have created different kinds of rooms, whether it was race-based or within ships or whatever, and uh, it would just take minutes to create a room and then get the art, art department to, you know, draw up on it and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, sure, it was a shame that it didn't work out, but uh, it is what it is. But uh, same thing, right? You still have all those assets somewhere in your files, right? You, you have them in a cabinet somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We keep all of it. I mean, I've I've done the the walking stations kind of thing before, and gone and bought a drink at the bar and all that kind of thing. The only issue was it wasn't on PC on you know uh, on the E client. It was uh, via PlayStation Home uh, on the <laughs> yeah, PlayStation was... Home section of Five uh, In kind of light, right? Yeah, it was like... pretty cool. I I have to say it was pretty cool. Michelangelo is saying, "Why are we asking about the, all this hard hardware, software stuff on the back end?" When all he wants is scan probes to detect cloaky campers. He's going to have to wait till <laughs> we get Fozzy on. Yeah, you need to uh, get the e-developers on that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> See, Arendis corrected him for us. Thanks, Arendis. Yeah. Oh, small stupid question. Um, 
the different brands and 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 other things that CCP is 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 running, right? Like uh, Valkyrie and stuff like that. That's not in the same server house, is it? Uh, no, most of it's uh, on cloud, uh, like Valkyrie, uh, Spark. It's just yeah, run from a cloud. Uh, we don't operate that, but uh, we only assist if there are issues. So will we get Eve on the cloud sometime? Uh, we've just done preliminary testing, but uh, I don't think so. We've tried uh, virtualizing uh, parts of it, and uh, we just get uh, unexplained lag, and we just, you know, we can't figure out why. Uh, <laughs> can't repl uh, replicate <laughs> the magic. <laughs> yeah, it's just the solar system just lags out without any reason. Uh, You're not I... going to be able to tie in a bunch of Amazon AWS servers and make them, you know, hold tranquility up in the way that it's being held up at the moment. Like, it's just not possible. Yeah, when you look at how some of those systems slice and dice the actual CPU and how small they can get those sub-threads inside of VMware, right, versus what you, you normally see. I can see how you get lag. Well, you, you can instances and stuff right which are supposedly or or maybe even are real live physical hardware um so there's certainly the option to to, to do that but once at least personally and a bunch of the people that i talked to in the industry as soon as you go to something that's running 24 7 and at a relatively high resource usage the cloud is unbelievably expensive Oh yeah. Plus, the, fantastic I mean... for things like DevOps, like like uh, Valkyrie and Spark, and these things where developers need to be able to spin up instances, and then they don't need to, you know, bug us in operations if they need to do a basic change. They can just do all of that stuff themselves. But as soon as you start to run live things twenty four seven, yeah, it's it's crazy expensive. Can't you build your own? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's certainly hybrid, and and that's kind of where the industry is going. Is definitely hybrid, um, on-premise versus cloud, or or not versus, but um, um, joined environments, definitely. Yeah, offload what you what you can, like for instance, the chat, right, um, and keep in house the the critical things. I mean, it makes a lot of the... sense. And by the way, you guys well, can't I hear me because I... I moused off of uh, oh. Discord. I said that'd be why. Yeah, so when you look at the off-prem versus the on-prem, right, taking the chat off-prem and things like that and get that load off there that you don't want on your main servers, when you when you look at what they do on some of these virtualized environments that you can buy into, I mean, they're even virtualizing the network layer, right? So when you start looking at things related to why do I have strange lag, right? And we've seen it um, many times, uh, Billy and I, where you know it's just the way they're designing the network with the virtualization protocols. I mean, even your, even what you think is a physical Ethernet card is, is a virtualized card, right? It's a software card, so it gets very strange in that world. Yeah, absolutely. Was Dust actually running on the cloud too? Uh, no, uh, but uh, it was hosted by a different company, though the path servers, but. Uh... Uh, everything else, the backend stuff like that, that was hosted by us. It's just, uh, I know this might be NDA because you guys haven't released much about that, but if a big title like Dust were to come up again at some point, would you guys then in-house it or would you think that it was mm, better to actually uh, outsource it uh, again? Uh, 
I would say 100% Ultras. Yeah. I think there's, there's been a lot of uh, titles that are kind of would be similar to Dust that uh, have launched mm, fairly recently-ish um, that have shown to be uh, much more worthwhile to outsource in terms of server, um, especially you know in order to actually, especially where um, uh, where ping is a uh, like a, a very big factor in the actual um, gameplay aspect of the uh, uh, of the product, like um, having your own server farms in like multiple areas in the world in order to actually uh, allow people to have like decent pings is really difficult. Uh, you know, it's better to probably just go for somebody who's well established in that kind of uh, regard. Uh, yeah, uh, the backend for games like this, uh, what we call like a, a backend server for uh, Dust, for example, uh, you will always need those uh, where the actual simulation goes through. And you, of course, want that to be as close to the player as possible. Uh, having it in, uh, for example, like uh, with the, we have it in London, uh, it it's not going to be the best performance uh, for like uh, US players or someone in uh, Asia. So you want those servers to be uh, as close to the players as possible and you want to be able to scale them extremely fast and uh, that's best uh, done through uh, like outsourcing with Amazon and stuff like that. Yeah, because having um, like that's the, that's the advantage of EVE uh, and the fact that uh, we have a one hertz server tick, um, you know, if, if someone is the other side of the world and has a 500 server ping, like it's not that debilitating in terms of the, you know, the uh, experience. Uh, no, exactly. And uh, I mean, when I well, started playing E, for example, uh, I mean, I was on a dial up. Uh, Iceland was not that fast getting into like DSL and Fiber and stuff like that, but uh, it is now, of course. But uh, I was playing on dial up and uh, I really don't remember any lag. But uh, then again, I wasn't in big fleet types back then, of course. Alrighty, so I'm going to go uh, around the room, uh, kind of the uh, the last calls um, for everybody to make comments. I'm going to end uh, CCP uh, Denormalized and CCP RAM. I'll, I'll go to you guys next. Uh, anything you want to share that we kind of missed on the show. But I'll start with you, Caleb, for kind of last words. Well, I would just like to uh, ask the question. I think it's kind of been out there on the interwebs, but... Uh, is it finalized whether or not you will be able to make it to FanFest to normalize? Because I'm pretty sure that RAM will be there. Yeah, I'm there. So um, I, when I started with CCP, just a quick note on that, um, I moved to Iceland. I, I've been there for three years, but now I'm back home in, in Canada. Uh, but uh, I get to fly into Iceland for FanFest a couple of times a year, try to arrange and run big parties. Uh, that's the fun time to go. So yeah, I'm definitely in Iceland for FanFest this year. Great. I will owe you a beer, both of you. I like it. <laughs> McLeod, you're up next. Oh man, um, I, I just I just like to say uh, thank uh, CCP Denormalized and CCP Ram for coming. It was an absolute pleasure uh, having you guys in Hon, and I hope that we have you on at some other point soon, maybe, or at least keep in touch. And it looks like we lost video, so I apologize, and I'm not sure why. Ooh. Dying. 
So, uh, sorry about that. We lost McLeod's feed and uh, Caleb's feed and Billy's feed. No, Billy, so, no. Uh, you, but uh, maybe that's not uh, appropriate in this conversation. Uh, what what uh -huh. did you say? Goons, maybe we're DDoSing you guys, but maybe that's not appropriate. Or, uh, uh, no. That doesn't fit in this. <laughs> that would be serious. It doesn't work. Wound. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's a lot, there's, how that works. Yeah, there's a lot of bees on this on this show. I don't know why. No, um, it was it was interesting because the uh, the video feed disappeared on Twitch, but it didn't disappear from my screen, which was kind of strange. That's Twitch fine. lagged um, yeah, clouds for the being video. too in, NRA. There you go. Um, so, and as we talk about this, uh, RJ, you got anything? You've been pretty quiet all day. Uh, I've, I've actually, you know, I'm more on the, uh, the art side of everything. So, I, I mean, if we had like, uh, I believe a CCP like blue screen here, I'd probably be like, you can shut me up, but, um, it's been interesting hearing, uh, about what's going on like behind the scenes, hardware wise. Um, but thank you for keeping the hamsters well-fed and nourished guys. And pointy bits, right? We should get them on one day. Oh yeah. I, I you, pro go. you guys probably wouldn't be shutting me up. <laughs> Uh, let's see, is Scythe actually paying attention to the show, or is he just blowing I, up freighters? I, I haven't blown up a freighter the entire show, um, due to the fact that I can't listen to comms and y'all at the same time, and I, I devoted myself to listening to the show, and I learned a lot today. Excellent. So yeah, we, we feel bad, so you can't give us a new update from the front, that's kind of a shame. I mean, I can I mean, check kill boards, hold on, one sec. I mean, you are our, We gotta our, see how many Aerith kills there are, hold on. You are our frontline reporter, that's supposed to give us some updates. Here. Am I, am I, okay, uh, frontline report, there's Lokis trying to shot our, our, our coursers or whatever, leaving the, uh, leaving the undock, and they're bad at it. There you go, there you go. There you go. Billy, you've been quiet, what do you got? Yeah, thank you guys for coming on. It's always cool to uh, hear all this technical speak and actually kind of understand what's going on. But yeah, it's good info. What, you don't get inundated with that as enough at work? <laughs> <laughs> so far, Aerith has lost five, uh, seven Vindicators. There you go. That's the Aerith Vindicator count. That yeah, market's yeah. going through the roof for Vindicators. They're, they're getting jacked up in price as we speak. Yes, I want to actually. I want to give a shout out to a couple of people. I want to give a, a shout out to uh, CCP Falcon um, and certainly uh, CCP uh, Grendel for helping me uh, communicate with you guys. CCP Ram and um, CCP uh, Denoralize. They help us uh, help me set this up this meeting, so it's great. So I appreciate their help. Certainly, you two. I appreciate you coming on and answering our questions because it's it's kind of fun to see what it takes to make uh, TQ work. So so thank you for that. I appreciate it. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, we're going to be uh, doing a roundtable at FanFest. So if anyone wants to ask and or get, you know, clearer answers to any of this, then uh, just by all means come there and talk to us. Fantastic. Um, uh, any other last words, uh, CCPD Normalized? And, uh, so, uh, yeah, Fantastic. Thank you both for uh, being on the show and we want to be respectful of your time. So we're going to, we're going to end a little early today. Um, I want to thank everybody for the, uh, the substitutions, uh, that they put in into the subs, not substitutions, okay, the, the subscriptions, 
Sure, go ahead. You run down. Run down um, to... Yeah, roll for dog twenty three. Thank you very much. Out of way. Um, and Feckman, like, thank you guys very much for your continued support. It's really, really, really awesome. All right, and all the follows. Thank you much, everybody. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye bye. All righty, and we're out of here. Thank you. All right.